To become more aware of anything is to become more mindful, whether this is awareness of surroundings, of others, or of oneself. This mental state can help you be more present, more in tune, more creative, and more receptive. With this podcast, I hope to help you fine-tune your awareness, help you find positivity in your struggles, and give power to your mindfulness. This is Mindful Guidance. Hello, and welcome to Mindful Guidance. My name is Michelle, and I am so grateful you chose to listen today. On today's episode, I want to get a little deep and inquisitive. (laughs) I try to make these episodes uplifting and hopefully inspirational, but I'm not quite sure this one will go that way, or maybe it will towards the end. (laughs) I only say that because I don't feel very uplifted and inspiring right now. I happen to have been feeling low and slightly unsteady this last week, and it has brought me to the topic of mental health. Now, first and foremost, I need to say that I am not a doctor or a mental health professional, and anything in this podcast is spoken from a place of experience, opinion, and honestly, a place of curiosity in myself, my family, and human beings in general. This topic comes up because I had a pretty hectic weekend last weekend, and it stirred a lot of things up for me. This year has been a pretty hectic year in general, mainly around family. I'm going to do my best to give an overview without getting too personal, simply out of respect, but let's just say when it comes to family, it's never easy and past the past like creeps up, you know, somehow. (laughs) I guess it's never easy for anyone, I think, when it comes to family, but this is just telling you where I'm coming from. This is a little bit of, of, of my story, I guess. I have a passion for learning about how we work, how we are wired, and a curiosity for what in the actual hell is going on inside our brains. This passion started in my early 20s, but it didn't start from a normal place, really. It didn't start from studying in school or with what I wanted to do for a living at the time. It came from a place of hurt and confusion. It came from me being so lost about who I was and realizing that I was losing myself in other people. In my late teens, early 20s, I was madly, toxically in love in a relationship that would tear me to shreds, really, mentally and emotionally. I wouldn't know it at the time, but (laughs) you never know when you're in it, right? Drugs fueled most of the fires um, towards the end. I was going through a very painful time with my family, a time that would crush me emotionally and create a mistrust so deep that it would carry well into my 30s. I had already lost quite a few friends to drug overdoses and suicides, and I completely broke when I lost someone very close to me someone I tried so hard to help get clean. Watching his soul drain each time he was high was terrifying, and it made no sense to me. 
losing him and going through all I went through with my ex-boyfriend and other friends was when I first picked up a book about addiction and the brain. It was when I first began thinking about what was really going on in the minds of people around me. Uh, Back then, I was partying very hard in the rave scene. And although it was some of my favorite times of my life and a scene that I know shaped who I am today, it was, let's just say, a little chaotic. (laughs) My life was chaotic then. I was riddled with anxiety that stemmed from childhood Anxiety that I now know runs in my family on a sliding scale. I was using partying to cope and honestly was completely okay with it. Everyone was. It's normal, I think, in your teens and 20s to live your best life and (laughs) party it up. And I was on one side. But the other side, especially in hindsight, I was so lost and drained and struggling The last thing I or anyone else was thinking of was mental health. None of us knew what that was or what to really do about it if we did. Everything dramatic, chaotic, explosive, strange, verbally and emotionally abusive and addictive was just life. (laughs) At least that is what me and those around me thought. The issues that were arising in my extended family and with friends and friends' families were just that, issues. Things we had to put up with and be okay with. A sense of humor became a coping mechanism because if you didn't laugh at these things, a lot of it was really sad or sometimes terrifying. Drug addiction beginning at a young age was normal where I'm from. When I was a teenager, it felt like you chose either religion or rebellion. Some may not believe me, but a small town in Utah was more obsessed with experimenting with drugs than places like Hollywood or Miami. There were friends of mine using speed and crystal meth for fun in high school. My first time being drunk was at school, and many of my guy friends were already using steroids and ordering morphine from doctors online. No adult knew the wiser. (laughs) And if they did, nothing was being done. Again, everything seemed normal. Leaving high school for me was the height of the rave scene. And working in the nightclub scene meshed well with it. Using club drugs was again normal. And I honestly am grateful for being involved in that scene and using a lot of them. I'm not condoning drug use here (laughs) at all. (laughs) But for me, it helped to pull me out of my shell. I suffered from social anxiety, although not knowing what it was back then. And partying opened me up in a lot of ways. It helped me be more open when it came to meeting people and allowed me to become much closer to my closest friends because I, I had a hard time opening up to people. I, you know, my friends would sort of, they knew me well enough to know that I wasn't a big talker about personal things. We would have therapy sessions, quote unquote, with these drugs, and we used them responsibly, honestly, to simply sit around and talk openly and honestly about our lives. Ironically, this type of therapy is on the way to becoming legal and used more broadly, so I do find it kind of funny that it is what we used to call it. (laughs) Anyway, 
I'm totally digressing here. So what does this have to do with mental health? Well, everything. (laughs) All of this has to do with mental health. When I look back on all of it, I realize how much all of this was shaping my mental health. And I realize why I became so fascinated with people's minds and behavior. It also made me realize that mental health issues may have always been there and in fact are generational, a lot of them hereditary, but oddly enough can be shaped and programmed to go in different directions depending on lifestyle and conditions at home or at school. It started to bring up questions like, how much is genetics and predisposed? Why do some people become full-blown addicts while others seem to take or leave substances? Why do some of the happiest people in the world, the ones who seem to have it all, still commit suicide? How can we be supportive without enabling? When do you walk away from someone whose mental health or addiction is hurting you? And the questions I had for myself personally, am I an addict? And will I end up with severe mental health issues myself? These questions haunted me year after year. After being in a relationship with an addict for quite a long time at this point, one who was in and out of jail, I decided I wanted to do two things, (laughs) become an addiction counselor and tackle the unfair judicial system. (laughs) This was ambitious for a 22 year old, especially one who had only done one year of college and was trying to get her life together while going through some serious emotional wreckage. At this time, I did actually start studying. I ordered a ton of books on addiction and started looking into how I could get into counseling without a college degree. I looked into how to become an advocate for people in jail for bogus drug charges and how to get them help instead of jail time. This all came crashing down for me when I had a family fallout and I couldn't stay focused on going to school and I needed to work more than full time really to live on my own. This was when my bartending career began and this is when my life would really change. My life was a blast. I'm not going to lie. It was fun around every corner. (laughs) Like I said, I wouldn't change any of it. But I was stuffing. I was stuffing everything down. And my anxiety was getting worse. But I had no idea what it was. I knew that I had emotional outbursts. I knew that I had panic attacks. But again, I thought a lot of it was normal. It was normal in my family. It was normal with a lot of my friends. And the other thing that was normal, self-medicating with drugs and alcohol. It was normal. It was fine. It was normal to hear people having a bad day and curing it with drinking and going over to someone's house to party. It was normal to witness and hear about people in my family and other people's families turning to booze and drugs to cope with everyday life. Even medication wasn't really used that widely back then. This was 20 years ago, by the way, in case anyone needs a reference. I mean, you heard of Prozac and Xanax and the old school barbiturates, but that was reserved for people who were really depressed. And if you heard about these people, you heard about them in whispers somehow. Like depressed people were being kept a secret. Something to be ashamed of, really. So when I ended up on medication in my early 20s for my anxiety and depression... I honestly felt like something was seriously wrong with me and like I had to keep it a secret. I was put on a few different drugs for trial and error and this was another time that I became fascinated with the brain and what it does. 
each one of these medications changed me completely. And I finally told my doctor I didn't want them because they were really messing me up. He ended up giving me some samples of a medication that had just come out and they were still experimenting with it. And this one oddly stuck and made me feel balanced, normal. Something finally helped me not feel so anxious and sad and depleted. And I was on it for two and a half years. While I do everything I can now to avoid medication, I am grateful for using them when I did because it really did help adjust my brain to where I thought it needed to be. That loss of a close friend to an overdose had really sent me over the edge. I had lost a few important men in my life at that point, physically and emotionally. I was working a lot and partying hard. I believe my brain and body had finally had enough. Everything that I was stuffing down was coming out and I wasn't handling it well. So being on the medication, I think my brain was able to remember where it needed to be to be okay. It also helped me to learn that what I had wasn't just me being crazy or unstable. It made me start learning more about what anxiety and depression really was and how many people were possibly dealing with it. It made me start recognizing the different forms of anxiety that were in my family and how each member of the family was coping with it. It made me realize how I was coping with it. So this was 20 years ago, and I can honestly say that things have come a long way since then when it comes to the stigma around anxiety, depression, addiction, and other mental illnesses. Why do I keep lumping addiction into this? Well, because it's tied in. It has to be. Those suffering from disorders that have a stigma against them are ones they don't understand, or those people that are suffering and covering silent pain. They use drugs and alcohol to cope and self-medicate because self-medicating is oddly more accepted. It's joining the crowd and making friends. It's not having to talk about the way you really feel inside because the booze and drugs take that feeling away. There's nothing to talk about. If it's not there, what's there to talk about? Addiction begins innocently, and nobody chooses to go down the path of self-destruction, but it is wrapped up in mental illness wholeheartedly, in my opinion. Many, many people I know would much rather continue a path of partying, adjusting their brain chemistry with recreational chemicals, than see a therapist and be put on meds. For the record here, there's nothing wrong with partying, drinking, and celebrating life. I, for one, am not completely sober. I'm not a completely sober person. I barely drink anymore, but I do still enjoy a little tequila or a glass of wine every now and then. And I'm also a big fan of plants. (laughs) We can just leave it at that for now. And I do still bartend. So I am around booze all the time without judgment. It is part of our life and it can be consumed responsibly. But to pretend that it doesn't affect mental health would be naive. These are all the pieces that led me here, that led me to the question, is mental illness on the rise or is it being masked by other things? I truly believe that a lot of the mental illnesses that we are dealing with nowadays have been around for quite a while. I just think that life itself has changed, evolved, 
we're studying more and learning more about the way the brain works. We are looking into family life of sociopaths, psychopaths, and criminals. Even just 30 years ago, people were looked at differently than they are now if there was something off about them. Certain people you just let be because you didn't know what was going on in their heads are now people that are given attention, are, they're being studied. I have read and studied a lot about mental illness and addiction, and it goes back a long way, always being masked as other things. I believe they are now simply being more understood for what they are as we learn more and more about the brain. We have also learned that what people thought were mental illnesses years ago were in fact never mental illness at all. Simply things they didn't quite understand yet because we only know what we know at the time. Now, do I think being prescribed medication is on the rise? (laughs) Absolutely. In fact, I know it is. But do I think it is correlated to people being mentally ill? I'm not so sure. I think feeling anxious and difficulty holding attention is on the rise for sure. And that correlates with prescribed meds. But with as much as the world has thrown at us in the last 10 years, 15 two years, (laughs) I think it is only natural for us humans to feel that way. We're just trying to keep up. Now, I know I have gone on kind of a weird tangent here, but it is something I think about often. I still ask myself the questions. Am I an addict? And will I end up with severe mental illness myself? The main reason I stay away from booze now is because I turn into someone I don't really like. And the depression that I would slide into for days after drinking was starting to be alarming to me. I also know the sliding scale of anxiety disorders in my family and I need to take that into consideration when taking care of myself mentally and choosing or not choosing to use certain substances. This is why I take mental illness and mental health so seriously, and it is why I feel like I can talk about it openly and hopefully help others create new healthy behavior patterns for themselves. I have also lost so many friends to drugs, whether they overdosed or went down a path of complete destruction. I lost my sister earlier this year to alcohol abuse, and I regularly witness others struggle with their demons and how to cope. I honestly believe we all have something we are dealing with mentally. We can't not. (laughs) I also believe some things get triggered inside our brains at different times in our lives that could lead to mental issues or illness. I believe that how we were raised is a big factor in how mentally stable we become and what coping skills we end up using when life gets challenging. I believe that a lot of mental issues are hereditary, just like physical issues, and should be taken care of as such. Predisposed to depression because it is in your family? Treat it like heart disease or obesity. Healthy diet and exercise and regular mental checkups. Will it promise you'll never get it? Maybe not, but it can't hurt. I wish my doctor told me how important diet and exercise is when it comes to feeling mentally well. Along with the medication, I could have been making healthier choices when it came to food at a much younger age. 
Changing my diet has made a huge difference in my mental health. Then again, 20 years ago, I'm not sure he would have even known to tell me that. But they know now. I know they know now. Now, do I believe that some people are born with severe mental illness and need medication to help them? Absolutely. I also believe that some mental illness sits dormant or wiring in the brain gets triggered into kicking it into high gear at some point. I believe trauma changes the brain and how it reacts to life stimulants. I firmly believe that paying attention to moods, emotions, and change in behavior can help spot things that are going on mentally within someone and working with that person closely on diet, talk therapy, and stability in their environment could potentially curb full mental breakdowns or illness. I know I needed therapy in my mid-20s, but that was never on my radar. I could have probably used therapy as a teenager, looking back at how confused I was about how I felt about things. But again, that wasn't something people really thought of doing, especially for teenagers. (laughs) And to be real, I wasn't exactly honest with the way I was feeling anyway. I was embarrassed and ashamed at the fact that I would have panic attacks in the bathroom at school that would make me leave and just not go. Finding people who were ditching school and joining them was much easier, and I knew that if I still got really good grades, no one would know the wiser. Well, they did find out eventually, and it was a whole thing, but (laughs) that's another story. I am happy that young kids and young adults are being taught to be honest about and handle their feelings in a more healthy way. Healthier than I did. So maybe they won't need the medication. I look back at my younger self and wish I would have been able to understand what was going on with me and my mental state and how to get the proper help with or without medication. Learning about how sensitive and open I am has helped me navigate my world with much more ease. I now know that what I was doing when when I was young was everything that was wrong for me. The toxic environments, the self-medicating to numb anxiety and to help me be social. Learning what emotional abuse really is now and how it completely crushed my confidence and led me to severe depressed points at a pivotal time in my early 20s. Not talking and stuffing everything down to create even more anxiety, leading to panic attacks and thinking I was crazy. The point is, there is normal teenage and life stuff And there are underlying issues that are creating unwanted behavior. I only wish I would have been able to understand my anxiety at a young age so I could have navigated the world differently. Hearing that kids can have mental health days these days is amazing to me. The older generations may call this BS or soft or whatever, but I call it a step in the right direction to give overwhelming kids a breather. I know I could have used one. And it lets kids be honest and unashamed of how they are feeling. As long as it's not taken advantage of, obviously, it makes sense. It lets parents tap into their children much more easily. Do I think it means medicate children right away? No. I would hope it means being able to notice if a child is avoiding school for some reason and how to get to the bottom of things more quickly and being able to help the child without meds. I personally didn't like one of my schools and a few of my teachers. Uh, one of my, once my parents figured this out, 
I was able to transfer schools and I was much happier and my attendance was much better. And my anxiety went down for that last year and a half because I wasn't in a place that was good for me. Not saying the school wasn't good. It just wasn't good for me. I think this is another important mental health point as well. Learning what works for you or your child and making the proper adjustments when things are clearly negative or not working. I think the past generations have been conditioned to say things like, life was hard for me too, but you suck it up and deal with it. Or if I had to go through X, Y, Z, then so should you. Or life's a bitch, get over it. That's simple, right? (laughs) This like toughen up and keep your problems to yourself stuff. We are now learning that that not only works for a very small amount of people, and I am honestly not even sure it works for them. (laughs) This was how mental illness, big or small, kept getting pushed under the rug and wasn't dealt with, in my opinion. A lot of these people masked their emotions with booze, detachment, and even abuse. If these people were able to be honest about who they were and how they were feeling and were able to make changes accordingly, how different would life be for them? I don't know that mental illness is on the rise. I just don't. I just think we are learning more and more about the human condition and in my opinion, handling it poorly by giving every single person a diagnosis of mentally ill when what we are realizing is that everyone is wired differently and the one-size-fits-all approach to life is falling apart in front of us. People are being medicated for everything. Other people are self-medicating because they don't understand themselves and are trying to keep up with an incredibly fast-changing existence around them. Stress levels are higher than ever. Our food production is making us sick. And we are on the teeter-totter of put your feelings out into the world to work on mental health and suck it up and stop complaining about your feelings. (laughs) We're in a weird spot right now. But the way we are looking at mental health is simply changing. It is being recognized as being highly important, and we are struggling to figure out how to make things work for everybody. And we obviously need more time. (laughs) I know this episode is kind of all over the place, but I guess that is where my head is at. (laughs) All over the place. (laughs) Like I said, it's been kind of a hectic year, and I think it is pulling up things for me that I'm trying to make sense of as a whole. Things that I used to stuff away. Family dynamics and health. Grief. Mental health and substance abuse. All of it. It's all front and center and I guess I am just trying to make it make sense. Mental health is clearly important to me. We get so focused on getting in shape physically and we have been conditioned for so long to think that our minds will be happy once we look a certain way or get a certain job or house, that we don't stop to really figure out if what we are doing is really right for us or causing us to slip into poor mental health. Diet, exercise, and environment are three big factors to balance mental health. So if any of these are toxic, well, a negative change in mental health starts to make sense. I am hoping that opening up and talking about why it is so important to me, that it may help others open up the same way and possibly become more mindful of things that may be affecting their mental health and maybe even give them the motivation to make some changes to benefit them mentally and energetically even. 
this is just me putting my thoughts out there and letting people know why working on mental health is so important, not only to me, but to everybody else and how they put themselves out into the world. It's a tricky topic and it's comes from a place of non-judgment and, and confusion and, you know, a lot of it, I guess I could be triggers for some people because like I said, I feel like everybody has something, but I'm hoping the more it gets talked about and the more I talk about it, the more that ripple effect takes place of helping others in the process. So it's a little bit of my story. (laughs) Choosing to work on mindfulness in everyday life is a big step to a more positive mindset, to relieving unnecessary stress, and to living a more mindful life. If you enjoyed this podcast, please remember to follow and rate the show. There are also links in the description to check out my website where you can subscribe to my email list. You can also check out and follow my personal training and mindset coaching Instagram and Facebook to see what else I have to offer. Social media is a great place to connect and I do love connecting to those that reach out for guidance. If you want to connect and talk more about the topics in this episode, please reach out on any of my platforms. I would love to have open discussions with others about how this resonates with them. If you or anyone you know is suffering with negative thoughts, suicidal thoughts, or has concerns about their mental health, there are ways to get help. Please reach out to a friend, loved one, or hotline. Thank you so much for listening and have a wonderful, mindful day.